Welcome to the Single and Mighty Podcast for single parents leading mighty lives. I'm Lindsay Carlson, and today we're going to talk to my co-host, Carmel Ecker. Carmel has a single parent story that many of us can relate to. She went the traditional route. She found someone that she fell in love with and dated for a long time. She eventually got married and eventually had a child. Her goal and her dream were to keep the marriage forever. Divorce wasn't even an option. That was the dream until it wasn't. Eventually, she had to stare truth right in the face. It wasn't working, and she had a tough choice to make. As a result, Carmel went through some really hard choices that led to the life she's leading now, where she follows her passion and helps other people create a better life for themselves. Carmel's created an awesome life so far, and she sees being a single parent as one of the best things that's ever happened to her. And for that reason, I know she'll inspire you. So without further ado, here's Carmel. We've been talking about this podcast for about a year. And little by little, putting bricks together and growing the idea and coming up with what is really important to us and just getting our guts together and getting ready to, to launch this big baby out to the world. So we're really excited to do that soon. So, but why? Like, why are you personally interested in making this podcast project? Because it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time. So what is it? What's in it, you know, for you? Yeah, um, I guess at the at the core, I want to tell a different single parent story. Um, we have this stereotype in the world. Uh, you know, there's a different one for single moms as for single dads, right? You, you get the stereotype of the broke, stressed out, burnt out single mom who's struggling. And then on the other hand, we've got the the Disney dad, you know, who like just walks out and and doesn't support his kids. Or um, and and those those stereotypes are not helpful. And in many cases, they're simply not true. There are so many wonderful um, men out there who are parenting their kids the best that they can, doing a great job of co-parenting. And I want to raise that image, right? And and there are so many single moms out there who are kicking butt in their careers and being great single parents. And so we can we can. Um, give people a different image of what it means to be a single parent. For me, like being a single parent was the best thing that ever happened to me. It really like snapped me into a new way of being because I had to be different. Um, I couldn't just kind of float along anymore uh, following somebody else's formula. It was like this big wake up call and I wouldn't trade it in Mm -hmm. for the world. So, um, yeah, I think really it's, it's about inspiring people with a new idea of what it means to be a single parent and, and what better way to do that than by interviewing people and, and hearing their stories of how they've, you know, how they've gotten to where they are today. You're right. You're so right. Yeah. The narrative out there is just terrible. It's nothing that anyone would purposefully choose. Who on earth would choose to be the broke single mom or the miserable single dad? I mean, goodness gracious. Yes. So we've been talking about that for a long time and you made a really empowering choice when you became a single parent. So can you tell us a bit about how that happened? Yes. Well, uh, it was, it was not an easy decision to make. Um, I had been with my then husband for 11 years. We'd been dating for five and, and married for six and, or it might've been the other way around. (laughs) I can't remember anymore. Um, it's history, it's history, right? Um, but you know, I, and I remember telling him when we got married, before we got married, I was like, don't think that you're ever getting a a divorce out of me. It's just not going to happen. Um, and of course I had to eat my words, (laughs) um, because down the road, yeah, it was, you know, it, it became just so clear that it wasn't working and I, I, I could, I could not figure out how to fix it. We, we could not figure out how to fix it. And so, um, yeah, I just, at a certain point I had to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to accept this. This isn't going to be the rest of my life. And this isn't the model 
of a relationship that I want to leave for my son. I don't want him to Mm -hmm. think that this is what a marriage is supposed to look like. And that was a huge driver for me because I think think that, Mm -hmm. yeah, we, we need to set uh, healthy examples for our kids, uh, in terms of what do, what do good relationships look like? And at the time that just wasn't a great relationship. And like I said, I, we were struggling to fix it. And finally I just kind of pulled the pin. I was like, well, I can fritter around doing this for a while longer, or I can, I can, you know, put on my big girl panties and, and, um, and, and do the hard thing. And so that's what I did. Yeah. I love that you say that about setting the right example for your son, because we don't want to break down marriage and make marriage into the problem. But when marriage isn't working, staying in actually creates this model for your kids that they will then go ahead and repeat. And that's actually not better, is it? Like we want them to create happy couplings in their life and really wonderful relationships. We don't want them to just create misery over and over again. So that's a really, a really brave choice to, you know, break that pattern, even though you were dead set against divorce, you really didn't want that. I really didn't. You had to shift your thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 I really had to swallow my pride in that moment and say, okay, I'm just gonna, just gonna let this go. That, that dream that I originally had this wonderful plan that I had in my head, it's not working out that way. And, you know, do I really want to keep trying to ram a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. So were other people, what were they saying to you? Were they saying, you know, Oh, you know, marriage is forever. You need to make it work. Or were there any people like pushing you to stay? I was actually very, very quiet about it. Uh, I didn't talk to a lot of people. Um, and in fact, by the time I did start talking to people, it was like, it was done. There was, there was no going back. We were at the point of no return. Um, and my family was, I was worried. The biggest concern that I had was my family. Like, what were they going to think? How were they going to respond? Were they going to support me? Uh, it just in terms of, you know, being okay with it. And, uh, in the end it was, it was great. Um, they were, they were very supportive and accepted the decision that I'd made. And, um, yeah, so, uh, and some people, it's funny, you know, this is one of the things that happens after, um, couples break up, or at least that I've noticed is that suddenly people come out and go, you know, I always thought you were an odd couple. <laughs> and I'm like, you couldn't have told right. me that five years ago. <laughs> but of course I probably Would wouldn't have listen, listened. Though? So yeah, I probably wouldn't have listened. So it wouldn't have made any difference, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's funny true. how that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I, I noticed that myself as well. Yeah. So that's amazing. So your family kind of surprised you. They were supportive um, and you didn't really tell people while you were making that choice. So you weren't looking for input and making a decision with your committee. You were making a decision for yourself. That's good. What about the, you know, you did some counseling. Did you have any counselors who were like, yeah, you've got to make this work forever. Come hell or high water. We did try counseling. We, we sure did. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it sadly did not work for us. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. we, we put in the effort, we showed up. Um, but I think that probably part of the challenge was that we had waited too long. And so by the time we actually got there, there, there wasn't much to salvage. So, um, I'm, and, and, you know, hindsight, is there any way to know that it would have made any difference? Um, if we'd gone earlier, if the result would have been the same, you know, you kind of can get caught up in the woulda, coulda, shouldas. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the most powerful thing that I found was saying that, well, yep, I could have done lots of things differently and I didn't. So what do I want to do for myself from this place going forward? What's the Mm -hmm. most powerful decision? Because you can't go back in time. Yeah. You can't change that decision back then. Yep. We have not invented time travel yet. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no point in feeling like, you know, feeling all that guilt and all the shame and all the, you know, all those feelings. Those are, those are fine. Feel the feelings, but there's no point in letting those control, right? You need to say, this is really where I am and make the best choice from there. And that's what you did, which is amazing. Were you scared? Were you, what were the feelings that you were 
going through? I was terrified. I had all this negative self-talk about how, you know, uh, you know, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. Was I, you know, was I crazy that, you know, this was going to be so hard and, you know, yeah, I'm a tough person, but, um, or a resilient person, maybe that's a better word. Um, but like, how, how can I, how can I do this on my own? Really? Um, and, I guess at the end of the day, it was just, it seemed less painful <laughs> to, to, you know, just do it and hope for the best than to stay and try to make something unworkable work. Mm, the unworkable. Ouch. Mm-hmm. So how old was your son when you decided to actually divorce your husband? Yeah, he was one. He was one when we separated. So he was very, he's very, it's a really tough time. And I don't think there's ever an easy time for it when you have kids. Um, There's just different kinds of challenges. So when they're older, there's the, um, the emotional response that they have of, oh my God, like my world's being torn apart, potentially, depending on the kids, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Whereas when they're younger, they don't understand what's going on, but there's so much work at that age. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so when you're, you know, when you've got them on your own for long periods of time, it's, you know, it's, it's exhausting, frankly, it's really, really exhausting. Yeah. There's no sort of like second person to tag team with. So what are some of the ways that you dealt with that? How did you, how did you get through those toddler years when it was a hundred percent you, when it was you at the time? So, and, and our agreement was, um, I had our son 85% of the time. So all through the week and every other weekend. Um, and that's, that's still the case today. Um, and it's much easier now than it was then. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think back then a lot of my coping was sleeping, like just, just really, um, like I had a routine, I had a routine that I went through to kind of streamline things as much as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. And really, after my son went to bed, I went to bed. Like, I just, I didn't stay up after he went to bed because I was, it was so tiring. Um, So I did, I did that a lot. I did eventually start my own freelance uh, graphic design business on the side and so then I ended up staying, he was, he was a little bit <laughs> older, two, three years old, maybe by that time. So it was a little bit better, but, um, yeah. And, and I wish one of the things that I wish that I had done more was ask for help. Um, mm-hmm. because I think I made it a lot harder on myself than it really needed to be. And so, yeah, I, I wish, I really wish that I had asked for more help. I think that would have made life just so much easier. Yeah. And that's really one of the things that we've talked a lot about too, is building that community around yourself as a single parent, when you don't necessarily have family in town, you don't have close friends, maybe that have the same situation, you know, how do you get out there? So, you know, if you were to go back and and recommend some things to yourself as a new single parent, you know, how would you suggest getting some of that help? Yeah, I would say a, you know, look around for local resources. Like in, in town, we have the one up single parent resource center. Um, it didn't even dawn on me to see if there was something like that available. Um, and by the time I found out they existed, it was already like, well, I don't really need them now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so that would have been great. Um, you know, just simply not being afraid to ask people for, for help with, you know, small things, even small things. Um, you know, can you, can you watch my son while I go grocery shopping or something? Just, just getting some relief and some support and not feeling so alone. Um, and then also, you know, we're, right now we're in such a great time. There are so many different like Facebook groups and things like that, where you can share and, and ask for support. I I wish I'd found some of those groups earlier, um, Mm -hmm. and really started to connect with other single parents and, and just, you know, feel less like I was alone. I think that would have been Mm -hmm. massively helpful. Um, but one of the things that I did do, um, that I, 
I think made a huge difference was actually hiring a, a life coach because she really helped me get from focusing on my problems and gosh, what am I going to do with all of these challenges mm-hmm. and start looking up into the future of, okay, I, I get, I have these challenges. But what do I want to create? You know, mm-hmm. what's, what's on the other side of these challenges and can I focus on that instead? And that was, that was right. massively helpful. So what are some of the shifts that started to happen after you started working with a life coach? Like what did you start to build at that point? Mm. I started to see more possibilities, which was really, really huge. Um, I, I had, I had thought for years that, you know, I kind of want to open my own business, but I don't know. I don't know if like, that's something that I could really do full time. Could I like, am I really capable of that? And so working with a coach really helped me call into question these assumptions that I had about myself, my own abilities, um, you know, what I was really capable of in my life. And I I just, I was, I was able to, um, within three months here, I'll put it this way. Within three months, I was able to go from thinking, oh my God, I'll never be able to open a business to actually opening the business. (laughs) Like, going out into the world and saying, this is what I'm doing. Hire me, (laughs) you know, and I had a website and yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that takes a huge mindset shift going from, you know, and I had this, this thought process in my head of people in my family are not entrepreneurs. That's literally what I thought, which is crazy because my family is full of business owners and entrepreneurs. My dad had his own business. My grandfather was a farmer, which that's running a business. I have an uncle and aunt and uncle that have a tax shop. I have um, another aunt and uncle that run a a restaurant. So like, (laughs) it's, it's not like we don't do that. I don't know. (laughs) They start coming out of the woodwork. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So like when I really started to look at the reality of my life, it was like, well, that's a crap story that I've been telling myself. Why would I do that? (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. So, so that's really interesting. So that first business that you opened, that was the graphic design business. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Or was that different? Okay. So that was related to working with a life coach, seeing the possibilities for your future, wanting maybe, why did you want to open your own business? You know what? I just, I was tired of working for somebody else. I was tired of the, it felt like I was on a hamster wheel, right? So I would get, and I rode my bike to work every day, which was like my way of getting exercise. So I would, uh, walk my son actually to daycare and then I would hop on my bike and I would head to work and I would like beeline it as fast as I could because, um, you know, I I knew I was going to be late. That was all there was to it. I was going to be late, but I was only going to be a few Mm -hmm. minutes late as long as I beelined it. Um, and then at the end of the day, I actually had to leave a little bit early in order to be able to get back to the daycare in time because they have very set hours. Right. right? And, um, this, this whole, um, hamster wheel of, you know, rush, rush to get him out the door, get my son out the door, which, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried to get a three-year-old out the door in the morning. Of course you have, you, you know, that that's, that's crazy, right? Like they just, right. they, they yes. put on the, sh- when they put on their shoes, it takes like five or 10 minutes to make it happen. It's just like, how, <laughs> how is this possible? To rush them. <laughs> no, and you don't. And so I, yes. I actually started to feel like, God, is this the parent that I'm going to be? The one that's always mm, yes. rushing and, and pushing to get the kid out the door and stressed. And, and I was just like, I don't want to be this person anymore. And no. I just didn't see how finding a different job was going to change that. I really needed a situation where I was going to be able to set my own hours. Mm-hmm. And I was okay. Like yeah. if I end up working more hours, okay. Like I can, I can work that out. But I just wanted to no longer be that parent that was like, pushing my kid to get out the door because I was supposed to be somewhere. Yeah. It's so hard. And I have so much respect for tons and tons of single parents who are doing that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just harder. It's, it's harder when you don't have flexibility, whether you're working for someone else or not. I mean, those people that you're working for, they might have flexibility for you. I've known single parents who have figured it out that way. Um, and I've known entrepreneurs who are stuck in their nine to five because they created that for themselves too. And that's hard too. 
Yeah. Yeah, totally true. And, and, and you bring up a great point. Like that was it. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're okay with it, it's just that it wasn't Mm -hmm. the right. It was, it was creating a lot of extra stress in my life and it was leading to a lot of unhappiness for me. And my workplace was wonderful. Like they, they were really flexible and easygoing about it. Like I'd, I'd been working there for over a decade at that point. So they knew I had a really strong work ethic and that I wasn't like slacking off or anything. Thing. Um, mm-hmm. it was, it was more about what was happening inside me yes. than, than yeah, anybody great else. Distinction. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, we've said this before too, like, it's really important that as a single parent, that you are happy and that you are, you know, taking care of your feeling fulfilled and stuff. So I think it's amazing that, you know, way back then you figured out that this wasn't working for you personally, you weren't happy, you were stressed out because that's really what reflects on your relationship with your child too. Yes, absolutely. And, and that, that's really what it came down to. It was like, this, is this the kind of relationship that I want to have with my son? Is this the model that I want to give to him? And, and that's actually been one of the really beautiful things about being a parent, like regardless of whether it's a single parent or or a two parent family, it's that I, he's this constant reminder of what is the example I'm setting in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it, and I get the great benefit <laughs> of leading a life that's more aligned with who I am and who I want to be because of that desire to set an example for him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And I, I, I should be it. able to do it just for myself, but <laughs> it's like that extra incentive, <laughs> right? And it's wonderful when you see them get older and some of that reflects back on you and you see, you know, oh, that's pretty neat that I was part of creating that person there. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And your kids are a little older than mine. So you're, you're, um, well, yeah. So you've kind of seen how that, how that shifts and changes over, you know, right up to 20. Is it 20? Yeah. My oldest is 20 and then 18 and then 11, similar to yours. Um, yeah. And we, uh, I, I just love it because my older two are out of high school. They're looking at what's next in their lives. And I, I can see these themes that I've always seen in them, like their interests and their desire for adventure. And I, I kind of feel proud that, you, you know, that I helped nurture that and, and just, made time for it was present there with them. Um, because there were times in my life too, when it was too much stress and too much, um, worrying about where things were coming. And it's really great that I was able to get out of that, like make some conscious decisions to move out of that stressful time and just be more present with them. Those were hard decisions. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I really like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, uh, for me, one of the things that I had to, you know, more recently speaking, um, one of the, this might sound terrible, but one of the gifts of COVID (laughs) was that it shut everything down and it really forced us like, well, we're not, we're not going and doing those things that we were doing after school, after work on the weekends, uh, the, you know, these highly scheduled things. And it was like, Oh, Wow. Isn't, isn't that nice that one night a week or, you know, it's not, it's not just one night a week or it's, you know, where we, we can just sit and be, Mm -hmm. and we're not rushing Mm -hmm. off to something. And I've actually ended up pairing my son's activities down to the point where I think we have, we just have one evening thing. And, and this was, you know, not just my choice, but also his choice. Um, I think we have Mm -hmm. one evening thing in the middle of the week and then we have, you know, stuff that we do on the weekends, but we're not as heavily scheduled as we were before. Uh, and Mm -hmm. I really, you know, there's, there's part of me that's like, well, should we be doing all of this stuff? Like it's all, it was all great stuff, right? Great things, great activities to be doing. And it was wearing us out. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes down to that modeling again, right? Like how, what kind of an adult do you want to encourage him to grow into? Like, I, I just so agree with not being overscheduled and sometimes you can look at other people and think, oh gosh, well they're into everything and I'm only doing a little bit. Am I doing enough? 
but yeah, like, do you want them to be a harried adult who never has enough in their schedule and is always, you know, more, 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 more. It's just, it's a, it's a big, you know, something to think about. I agree. I loved, I love this space during COVID and the, just like the time to do things that we had never had time to slow down and do before. Yeah. Like I like the idea of us sitting down and playing a board game after dinner or something like mm-hmm. that and not, you know, hustling off, uh, to karate or something like that. You know, it's, and those are all great activities. Um, mm-hmm. I think we, I think we have a tendency as a society generally to pile them all on. And so they're, they're doing so many things throughout the week that they just kind of never get a break. Yeah. And, and, and it's also about our own capacity, right? Like there are people out there who can just go full bore and getting, you know, getting everybody to their different things throughout the week is not a problem. It's just how they operate. And mm-hmm. you know what? It is not how I operate. And I had to, <laughs> <laughs> I had to yeah. give myself permission to not be super mom. Right. Right. That's so dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like not that trying is, to keep up another, with the Joneses. Yeah, that's another stereotype that I've had um, put on me. Well, meaning like the super mom, the single mom, super mom as well, right? So now we don't just have to fight against being the the you know overworked, stressed, and you know, oh, I'm so sorry for you, you poor single mom. But the other side of that is like, oh wow, you're such a super mom, you do it all, and my, my personality is, yeah, I want to be the one who does it all. Um, but that's really draining and exhausting and unrealistic and unsustainable and not good for your kids either. So yeah, there's another one that we want to sort of have balance against too. We can just be who we are and that is plenty. And, you know, we're setting an example of it for our kids of living a healthy life that feels, feels good the way we love it. Yeah. Yeah. Balance, you know, a sense of balance. I don't know if we're ever completely balanced, uh, in life because there's just so much going on around us and, and we're, you know, we're trying to live, um, intentionally. Some of us are trying to live intentionally anyways. (laughs) Some of us are floating along and being, you know, battered around by external forces, but we never find complete balance, but we can, continue to make choices that bring us closer to balance. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a little yeah. like I, I, I cycle a lot and, um, particularly mountain biking is mountain biking is my favorite. And one of the things that's true for mountain biking is that you are never totally completely balanced on the bike. You know, as you're moving through the environment, right. you're mm. being, you know, you're being confronted with rocks and roots and things that are on the trail that are constantly putting you out of balance. And so you're having to correct. And, and that's mm-hmm. really what we do in life too, right? Is we're rolling along yeah. on this path of life and there are things coming up in front of us that are going to throw us off balance. And we just decide, okay, how do I want to correct this and bring myself closer to balance so that I don't fall off? Yeah. It's a really good metaphor. And that is one of the amazing things about you, Carmel. I have to say you are going after so many things you want in life and I just, I love it so much. So tell us about all the things, especially like the mountain biking and what do you do now for a living and what are you like running in your world? Just like, just tell us who you are right now in the world. Okay. So yeah, I have, I have a, a multifacetedness <laughs> going on right now. Um, so in my, in my work, I, I'm a life coach. I decided to leave graphic design uh, a couple of years ago. It was not something that I was super passionate about and I knew I would never be like great at it. It just didn't call, I was not, I was not looking through like how magazine, looking at all the latest designs and keeping up with the trends. It was kind of like, well, this is what I do for a living, you know, and I'm pretty good at it, but you know, not super excited. But, you know, I started on the journey of personal growth over 10 years ago and it like, it consumed me. I you know, when I'm, when I'm reading books, I'm always reading personal growth books and learning new, new things about, you know, what it is to be human and how we can shift our mindset and, um, you know, ways to reach our goals and, and live a different kind of, you know, make different life choices. And anyways, I could, I could go on and on and on about it, but, um, you know, I realized like, this is where my passion lies is in, is in personal transformation. 
And so I decided to make that shift and, and it's been so good. I, it's, it's, I don't know if it's what I was always meant to do, but it feels Mm. like it's what I was always meant to do. Um, so that's been great. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. best. And you work um, with single parents a lot, right? That's that's I one do. of your main because I mm-hmm. I don't want people to have to deal with, you know, a lot of the struggle that I did when I first became a single parent. Like it really it really doesn't have to be that hard. But we do need a little bit of support until we find our footing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's what my coach so did valuable. for me. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so there's that. And then, um, locally I'm leading a women's, uh, business networking community and Mm -hmm. that's really exciting. We're a, we're a local chapter of an international organization. And it's another one of those things that I was like, yeah, I was born for this, (laughs) right? Because I love love connecting people, um, you know, who, who can be mutually beneficial to one another and, and, helping people to build and grow something that they're really excited about, right? And growing and building a business, incidentally, is one of the best personal growth programs you can ever go through. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's so demanding and challenging and you have to keep stepping up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it feels so like good. a really natural pairing. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. I don't know if I told you this, but I got my mountain bike instructing certification last year and I'm going to be coaching with the Norco Dirt Series this year. Of course you told me. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, you know, I never know who I told, although I've been telling like everybody, by the way, yeah. this is what I'm doing. Cause I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. So like I've been mountain biking for 25 years and I actually, many years ago, I created my own little, um, you know, beginner mountain biking course, uh, when I was part of a local mountain bike club called the dirty girls. And it, you awesome. know, it was very rudimentary, but it really gave me a sense of, how much I enjoyed teaching other people, um, the skills that they needed to be successful in this sport. Um, you know, and again, that was kind of from my own experience of jumping in and not having any course to give me the foundations. And let me tell you, I went over the handlebars a number of times before somebody told me, Uh, yeah, you you know what you need to do in order to not have that happen. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, so oh, that it. really gave people the foundations to be able to come into the sport and really be able to enjoy it right away. And so I, I'm really passionate about getting back to that. Um, I think women, women taking up the sport of mountain biking is again, a transformative experience because it, mm. it does challenge you physically and it also challenges you mentally. It's not, you know, I, I think probably 80% of mountain biking is actually the mental game of stepping past your fear and saying, okay, I have the, you know, I do or I don't have the skill to do this thing. And if I don't have the skill, I can learn. And then once you have the skill going, okay, I have the skills and I'm going to visualize myself doing it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to commit to it. And Mm. it's this, you, you become so hyper aware of your body in this sport because there's so many, so many muscle groups, you know, working together to keep you on the bike upright, rubber side down. (laughs) So awesome. Um, so yeah, you gain this really amazing body awareness within this sport. And I also find it an incredibly meditative experience as well, being Mm -hmm. out in nature and being so focused on what you're doing in the moment. You really can't let your attention stray too much. Yeah. I love that. I think that, I mean, listeners, this is one of the kick butt things about Carmel is that she literally can teach you how to mountain bike down a crazy path and and avoid all those roots and not fall over your handlebars. Like I did 20 years ago. So amazing. And you know what? One day we will have to do a course for single parents who want to mountain bike because why not? Such an important skill just to be in your body, be in the moment and take on the challenge. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think I've told you about this. I I have this dream of having retreats for single parents, including ones that have never been on a mountain bike before. And it's, it's more than just learning how to ride a bike. 
It's, it's about, yeah. you know, shifting how you think about yourself within your environment and what you're capable of. So I'm, I'm very excited about hopefully launching that someday. Yeah, that's going to happen. Speaking it, oh, I'm you speaking bet. it out into the world <laughs> and increasing my odds of actually making it a reality. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a perfect, it's a perfect next step for, for that part of your, your multifaceted creative journey. Love it. So good. Well, it's, it's so fascinating to hear your single parent story because I think so many people can relate to it. You know, you were in a marriage with someone you knew really well, there was nothing wrong from the outside, but it just wasn't right. And you gave it your best shot and you tried what you could, but you realized it wasn't healthy for your kid. It wasn't the example that you wanted your kiddo to grow up with, uh, apart from not being the right, you know, vessel for you and your ex partner as well, probably. Yeah. I mean, we weren't happy, right? So if yeah. we set aside, you know, the impact on our child, uh, neither of us was happy and, and both of us deserve to be happy. Like Absolutely. at the end of the day, that's, you know, we both deserve that. And, um, you know, I, I may not have felt that way at the beginning <laughs> yeah. you know, when you go through the, the initial breakup and you're a little, uh, you know, irritated with one another and, and there's a bit of, uh, friction, let's say friction, um, you know, at the start. Um, but you know, over time we worked that out and we both settled into our own separate lives. And, um, I think we do a pretty decent job of co-parenting at this point. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're friends, but, um, we definitely get along. Okay. Yeah. And, and we that's respect amazing. one another. That's, and that's the big thing is that we respect one another. We respect each other's time. We respect, um, each other's role in our son's life. And, um, we do our best to keep, you know, clear and open communication. And I think that's really, really key mm -hmm. in any co-parenting relationship. Yeah. Clear and open communication. Any other tips for the co-parenting squad out there? Oh, you know what? I, I'm always a bit hesitant to offer co-parenting tips just because a, I'm not a parent coach. <laughs> um, I, I, I work more in the individual fulfillment department. <laughs> um, and also like there is just, there are just so many different kinds of relationships out there. Like you've, you've got uh, couples that, you know, the, the breakup is amicable and they get along really well and they have the odd, you know, the odd stumble, but on the whole it's okay. And then you've got very acrimonious breakups. Um, you mm -hmm. have, you have, um, situations where the couple was never married. And so that's a whole other element. So, you know, I would say my biggest tip would be if you're struggling in your co-parenting relationship, find a counselor or a therapist mm -hmm. or someone who has, you know, the training to support you through that, through that experience. Um, that's going to be my my, um, <laughs> lawyer approved Get answer professional on that front. Help. <laughs> but, but I will yeah. say, I will say this, one of the things that did help me personally in the, in the, you know, developing the kind of relationship that I wanted to have with my ex-husband was to choose how I wanted to show up and to not be reactive to mm. the choices that he made. Because Thanks. me being frustrated and, and angry um, or, you know, taking things personally was really not going to foster a positive relationship. And so mm -hmm. I decided, you know what, when he comes to the door, no matter what's been going on, I am going to show up with a smile on my face and, you know, be happy to see him, be happy to see my son. And that's just the way that it's going to go. And I love that. so that became, you know, my personal choice and was it tough sometimes? Heck yeah. <laughs> Some days I yeah, was smiling yeah. through gritted teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, I was making a conscious choice of how I wanted to show up. And again, you know, just to be super, super clear, um, we had a, um, the kind of, we weren't dealing with narcissism or any kind of abuse or anything like that. So it was a, you know, it was the kind of situation where, um, there weren't extenuating circumstances. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. And I've dealt with all the extenuating circumstances myself. And it's the same thing. It comes down to those personal, that's all you can control is those personal choices. So your boundaries, who you're going to be and not being reactive to the other person. I think that's great advice across the board from what I've seen. So I love that. Yeah. Awesome. I, oh, I was gonna, just going to say, adding on to your yeah. idea of boundaries, um, you know, really, you know, and that's just simply like what's okay and what's not okay, right? Um, just making sure yes. we're working with the same definition. <laughs> good, um, good definition. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you're dealing with someone who doesn't respect your boundaries, there, I think there's another level of support that you need in order to navigate that because... Um, that can be, that can be extremely challenging. And I, I don't know, did you ever, did you deal with that? Oh, heck yes. Oh, oh heck yes. we will talk. We will talk about that. <laughs> teaser, teaser for the next episode. <laughs> so for all of you who didn't have the gentle, not gentle, but like the fairly amicable, you know, outcome of your relationship breakup. I can definitely talk about that. I have seen the other side. Um, but regardless, that's what I think is so great about us as a pair of hosts for this show is that there are all the stories all the way along the spectrum and off the spectrum of different types of parenting relationships and different types of, um, couple relationships. And, you know, I think we all need to see positive outcomes and a more realistic story being told. I know some really amazing single moms and single dads who don't even own up to it in their professional lives. They don't share that part of their story. They don't want anyone to know that they're a solo parent or a single parent because there's just such a negative stereotype out there. And I think if we all banded together and showed that we're all single parents, there would be a different story and people would look up to the single parents and say, wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And you know, they're like, we make up a huge part of the population. And I think that's really important for people to remember. Like we talk about how 50% of marriages end in divorce. I don't know if that's actually a true statistic anymore. Um, but you know, and, and yet there's this, you know, we talk about divorce, you know, we're, we're all, you know, uh, yeah, we talk about divorce, but then, you know, single parenting is like this hush hush thing that we don't want to, you know, cause it, we, it limits us, it limits our potential, it limits, you know, and it doesn't, it really just doesn't have to. And we make up 20% of families in Canada and the U S and I would say probably worldwide, but I haven't confirmed that, but at, like at least 20% of families in Canada and the U S are single parent families. That's a huge chunk of the population. Huge. Yeah. And it, it needs, you know? I think we need, you know, just to be recognized for being a completely viable option and having kids who are well-parented and well-loved and in happy homes even though they don't match the textbook description that is so outdated that we, we just need to rewrite that book. Yeah. And I think kids from single parent homes can actually be better equipped to deal with the world because you know what, as a, as a single parent, I, I, I'm not going to do all the things, right? I'm not going to be the person who does everything in the house because I'm the, I'm the only adult here. And you know what? I want some freaking help. And you're old enough to, to, you know, fold your own laundry, to wash some dishes, to like vacuum, vacuum the floors, to make your lunch. Right. So you know, it, it creates more motivation for me as a parent to get him doing things that he's going to need to do when he goes out of the home versus, you know, the, well, it's just easier if I do it myself. If I'm, you know, if I'm in a parent, in a partnered relationship where, you know, it's fairly equitable, then I might be more incentivized to just, oh, it's just easier if I do it. Whereas, you know, in my situation, I'm like, heck no, you can do that yourself. You can do it badly. I don't care. Just do it. <laughs> I love it. You'll, you'll get better. You'll improve. Yeah. There's all the different outcomes, right? Oh my goodness. We could go on and on and on about that. There's so many, yeah, there's so many things, but Carmel, it's been fantastic. Just sort of hearing your backstory and understanding where you're coming from. 
um, for this podcast. I know we've personally talked about it so much that, um, you know, like we could have avoided telling our own stories on this podcast, but I think our stories are important here too. So I'm glad we're able to share them. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we sign off for the day? Um, you know what, just, just, I just kind of want to reiterate that really at the end of the day, my mission here is to just tell different stories than the ones that are being told out there about single parents and, and help people see that we are, we are incredibly powerful and that, you know, the, the negative stories there might be, you know, there's, there's definitely those that exist. Um, but it's not all of us, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be stereotyped. Who, who wants to be stereotyped? There, there are no good stereotypes out there, you know, and there's only a handful of people who match it. So let's, and in addition to that, when we talk about the success of single parents, it inspires, it inspires others to, to live up to that and say, wow, that's, that's maybe that's possible for me. Yes. Yeah. I really love that. You're right. Absolutely. We need to set examples for each other and keep challenging each other to see what else is possible. I love it. Hey, so we have some lightning round questions that we're asking all guests at the end of our shows and we may as well ask each other as well. So I hate to spring this on you. Actually, I don't hate springing this on you. I love it. (laughs) All right. I'm going to grab a couple of them. Um, Single parenting. Single parenting is, can you finish the sentence? Oh yeah. This is an easy one. The best thing that ever happened to me. Mm, That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what's one tradition or ritual that you have with your kiddo in your home now that you're a single parent? Ooh, a tradition. Well, we, uh, you know what, every, so some families do like, um, uh, like Easter baskets, but what I end up doing is I hide little chocolates like Easter bunnies and eggs. I hide them all over the house and then we go and we kind of we kind of find them together. Nice. Um, but sometimes one of the, one of the cool things about it is that like, I, I literally hide them everywhere. So at any point during the year, we might find another egg or another bunny like six months later. I love that. <laughs> Cause I don't tell him if he misses one, he's just missed it. Uh, I used to look for them the next day and the day after. I just used to hope that I would find them. So for you to do that on purpose, oh, you're my hero. (laughs) So good. Awesome. And last question, what's the most beneficial habit you have right now? The most beneficial habit. Okay. So this is going to seem really, really simple and mundane, but... I always make sure that the dishes are done at the end of the day because I hate, oh, actually, you know, I'm going to expand this. So it's making sure that the kitchen is clean. The dishes are done at the end of the day because I hate getting up in the morning and having to clean my kitchen before I start my day. I hate that. And the other thing that I did was, um, create a kind of a system for food for the week. So on like Wednesdays, we meal plan on Thursday or Friday, we go grocery shopping and then, and then we're set for the week. And I used, I never used to do that. I would always like buy a bunch of stuff, hope that I had bought enough of the right things that I would be able to make something every day of the week. (laughs) What do I have in the fridge? It's exactly what every day was like. And it was awful. It was so awful. And now because I plan it, I cook three, maybe four days of the week. The rest of the week we have leftovers. So, and, and I don't like cooking. (laughs) I don't hate it, but I don't much like it. So I like to cook as little as possible. So those, those two things have been really, really helpful. Like just making sure that things are cleaned at the end of the day, no matter how tired I am. Um, so that I'm not dragging that mess into the next day. And then like just following that system for, um, having my meals ready. I don't do food prep. I just make sure that I know what we're eating through the whole week so that I have everything I need and I'm not 
looking into the fridge at the end of my workday and going, oh, what should we eat for dinner tonight? Right. And calling for pizza. <laughs> yes. Cause it sucks so bad. So those were two, two really, um, helpful habits that I put into place that I'm rather proud of. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I am all about that. Anything you can add a system to or automate. Oh my goodness. You are yeah, a hundred percent singing my song. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today. And I really can't wait to record more of these shows together. This has been fantastic. Yes, me too. I'm so, it's been so great interviewing. I mean, we've had some really wonderful people uh, that we've interviewed and I can't wait. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to release them all. I know. So fun. We want you to know that this podcast is about more than interesting and inspiring stories. It's really about you and helping you make a real change in your life. So before you move on with your day, think of one thing that you heard on today's podcast that you can start doing now or do differently and make a plan to do it. And don't just keep it to yourself. When you declare it to the world, you are going to be a bazillion times more likely to actually do it. So we invite you to hop on Instagram and share it with us. We'll have an episode with this on our Single and Mighty podcast um, Instagram account. Yeah, and and let us know what you learned and what you're going to do about it. Um, You know, that will serve as inspiration for others, even if they haven't listened. um, You know, they'll see what you're you're sharing on there and they'll be inspired to, to, you know, do things maybe a little bit differently and in a more beneficial way for them. Before you leave, we want to give a big shout out to our friend and musician, Laura Koch, who wrote our intro slash outro music. Laura is the singer-songwriter for the band The Quirks, and you can find them online at thequirks, K-W-E-R-K-S dot com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other single parents in your life. Thanks for listening.